You cannot read him on a train. You cannot read him on a plane. You cannot read him here or there. You cannot read him anywhere. Not at a school, not at home, not even alone. He is racist, can't you see? He must be canceled, and you too, if you disagree. Welcome back to the Let Me Cut In podcast. This week, we'll be discussing cancel culture, the minimum wage amendment, and the HR1 bill. I'm your host, Caleb Johnson. And I'm the co-host, Tyler Witt. This week, March 2nd, was Read Across America Day. It's a day to encourage kids to read and a day to celebrate children's books. In the past, mostly Dr. Seuss children's books, as March 2nd is his birthday. Each year, the pres- it's presidential tradition to proclaim the second. Read Across America Day in a cute little ceremony, but this time, President Biden left out any mention of Dr. Seuss. Not long after, Dr. Seuss Enterprises announced that they were canceling the publication and print of six of Dr. Seuss's books. They proclaimed to the Associated Press that the decision to cease publication and sales of the books was made last year after months of discussion. They said that they listened and took feedback from their audiences, including teachers, academics, and specialists in the field as a part of the review process. They then worked with a panel of experts, including educators, to review their catalog of titles to make the decision. So what do you think, Tyler? Is uh, Dr. Seuss, are the books racist or racist enough to be canceled? Yeah, um, obviously this is this is the new biggest thing right now that everyone's talking about with Dr. Seuss kind of being canceled. Um and obviously there are some pictures in some of the, in some of his books um, depicting minorities in, in different ways that today probably aren't um, very appropriate, but we also gotta, we also gotta take a step back and realize that these books were written, you know, years ago, quite some time ago. And it's, it wasn't the same time as, as it is now. Um, and so it kind of just feels, in my opinion, it feels a little bit weird to, to look back on, something that happened so long ago with our current morals, current um, state of affairs and, and kind of judge them, judge people in history for making decisions. And, and I think that's, that's kind of a big pillar of cancel culture is, is looking back on things um, with our current worldview and kind of judging things that happened when, you know, we weren't there in that time living in that time. You know, as uh... It's kind of interesting to me a lot. I look back, um, there was only one that pointed out that was super, even if you call it super, there was only one that was kind of egregious, was one of, I. it was kind of a picture of Native Americans that were uh, kind of characters of um, monkeys or apes. That one was the only one that seemed super bad. The other ones, there was one of a, uh, someone from China, Chinese descent that was on skates and eating rice. Uh, that was one of the reasons for that particular book to be canceled. There were only six that are going to be ceasing publication. A lot of people said, you know, they're not actually canceling Dr. Seuss. They're just ceasing publications of six. Right. Well, the Dr. It's, Seuss Enterprises canceled those six books. It's still being canceled. Uh, they canceled those six books. 
And you know, you know what Disney does? They they didn't you know cancel Dumbo. They just said, hey, at the beginning of the book or at the beginning of the um, the show on Disney Plus, the movie, right. they just put a little disclaimer. Hey, you know. Uh, these are we no longer stand by this yada 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 a little right. learning session instead of just saying oh we're just not going to have Dumbo on the entire Disney platform uh, couldn't have Dr. Seuss just were the Dr. Seuss Enterprises just done this to the books they could have yeah they very well could have um, and so again to that point where people are saying that they weren't really canceled they just ceased production of a handful of his books. Well, that's not really how cancel culture works and as, as you know, maybe it should, but it, it, it's not. And what tends to happen is it's a full kind of ostracism of whatever, whatever is yeah. being canceled. So in this case, Dr. Seuss, um, I imagine we'll see, um, I'd be willing to put good money on it that we'll see a decline in the popularity of Dr. Seuss um, sales books in general. Right now they're through the roof. Out. Right now they're through the roof because people are trying to get their hands on some of the uh, the canceled books because those are going to probably going to be worth a decent amount of money. Um, and you know, Dr. Seuss isn't just the the latest victim either. There's also the Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, which have now been been canceled for being not gender inclusive enough. Um, and so now the Potato Head kind of um, toy is going to be gender neutral. There isn't going to be a male or female version. Um, well, it was, it was my understanding that they were, they were just the name brand was Potato Head, and then you could get like you could get um, the Potato Head with the girl accessories and the male accessories, but they were no longer calling it Mr. Potato Head, right? Because Mr. was kind of degrading to women, I guess, is, is kind of the overall feel to people. Um, and so that's just another example of, of something that, you know, it seems like people are, are looking for things to be upset about, at least the way I see it. People are looking for things that they can, they can easily be offended by um, and something that they can, they can kind of turn their attention to, to well, stop giving support to that. And they get these uh, companies, they get bullied. I remember the first time I ever heard about, you know, I remember two or three years ago, they were talking Dr. Seuss uh, anti-Semite. Right. Well, three years later, uh, Dr. Seuss Enterprises has caved and be like, okay, we're just not going to print those books anymore, which is nutty. You know, I just, I had read a study from the Cato Institute. Uh, this study was from July of 2020. They completed a survey and found that 62% of Americans say they have political views they are afraid to share. 32% are worried about missing out on job opportunities because of their political opinions. Right. You know, and I truly believe that I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you, you know, I have a little bit of anxiety about sharing my own political opinions on a podcast. It's going to be shared around. Right. I'm the same way. Um, and it's kind of weird how cancel culture has kind of come up so suddenly and it, it, it's kind of risen in popularity um, about around the same time that President Trump ran for office. I want to say in 2015, 2016. Um Cancel culture has been around for a while, I would say longer than that, but it wasn't until really the Trump era, Trump administration that cancel, cancel culture kind of took off. And then especially in, in the last couple of years. Um, and it's interesting. So there's a, there's a social psychologist named Jonathan Haidt um, and he calls it call out culture. Um, it's just a synonym for cancel culture. Um, and he said it arises from what he calls safetyism on college campuses 
Hmm. And so basically what he's saying with that, with that term safetyism is that the sort of coddling and um, the education that a lot of, of kids are receiving at these universities um, across the uh, United States have, have sort of pushed them into, into seeing the, the evil in things when it, you know, it really isn't there in most cases. Um, or it's not something that's that's a really pressing issue, but for some reason it's made to be one. Um, and so I thought that was kind of an interesting concept, you, you know. It's, do you think that, why do you think that so many individuals just want to cancel anything they disagree with? I mean, is it just the way they grew up? Oh, I can't be told something that's differing in my opinion. My opinion is valid. Is it, I mean, why do you think cancel culture has just become crazily, because used to, if you didn't agree, you know, you could complain and really nothing would really happen. Right. Um, like I said, they've been kind of bullying the Dr. Seuss Enterprises for weeks. They even said, hey, we made this decision actually last year. It's funny that they did, made the decision last year and they just right. now, on his birthday, after <laughs> Biden decided to not talk about them on his birthday. They decided to go make that decision public. Right. Um, you know, they said, Oh, we've been discussing with teachers and educators and academia, which is also funny because most academia don't even believe that cancel culture is real. No. They don't. Uh, I mean, if you just Google cancel culture, a lot of articles come up saying, you know, it's not real. So why do you think that it's so prevalent? I can't really put my finger on it. I, I don't know why it, it's blown up so much um, in the, in these past few years, but it, it has, and it's it's taken a real hold on kind of pop culture and everything that happens in the media. You, you see it almost every day now in, in aspects of things. People are just looking for things to the next the next victim of cancel culture, and it's a long list now. Um, and you know, the other side of that coin, like you were saying, is is people being afraid to speak out for their beliefs now, because it's gotten to the point where if you, if you say the wrong thing that yeah. the majority of people don't agree with, it's not just, they don't like you and you know, you're kind of pushed out. It's, it's, you can lose your career. People are losing their jobs. Uh, the, um, the MMA fighter got fired from the Disney show, the Mandalorian. Right. She posted something that really wasn't, <laughs> Everyone called it controversial, but it really wasn't. It really wasn't too you, controversial. You can go back opinion. and look at what she put, but she is automatically immediately let go. Gina Carano. Yeah, right? Gina Carano. Right. So she was canceled from the show The Mandalorian, um, despite being a super popular character on the show. And, and the main female character as well, well which so is kind of interesting. What, is, what of, does that tell those kids that, you know, whenever they watch the show next time, oh, where'd she go? Well... She shared her political opinion. Yeah, that's and that's the extent of what happened. Um, and and it again, you know, like we were saying, it's it really wasn't a controversial statement. I, I remember what she said, and it was essentially she compared um, the the canceling. Um, she was calling out cancel culture itself, and she ended up getting canceled for that. Um, she she compared the the ostrac the ostracization of of you know conservative belief, conservative thought. Um, to to the Jews during World War II when they were being persecuted for just being Jews. Yeah, she, um, she was making like a comparison that, you know, 
it started out as just them being mean to right. Jews and then eventually and eventually it escalated. Um, and so she kind of made a little comparison there and everyone thought that was completely outlandish or cancel culture did. And so she was, she was, you know, fired from the, from the set of the Mandalorian. Um, I believe she was hired recently by daily wire to yeah. make a new movie. So I think she's, she's kind of set with her own new path, but yeah, I mean, she's one of the latest victims as well. And it's, 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 it is ridiculous that, that if you don't have a popular opinion that, that the majority the people in the media, really, it's not even the majority. I mean, we had, we had 75 million Americans vote for president Trump in this past election. Um, and so it's, it's not like it's an overall majority. It's just, it's, it's the loudest people. Is it, it is. It's the loudest people like for the Dr. Seuss enterprises. They probably vote those, you know, you have 75 million people that vote for Trump and they're part of this, you know, conservative base. Right. Highly doubt that they were involved in those discussions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really not the majority of people. I don't believe, I, I think it's, you know, the people that are the loudest, the people who control the media, um, the mainstream media, that's, that's really what this is, is they're the ones that are being the loudest about these issues. And so it, they make it seem like it's yeah. a bigger deal than it really is. Um, and so, yeah, again, you know, it's not just you're being ostracized. It's you're being, your whole livelihood can be canceled. Could be on the line. Um, because say Gina Carano doesn't get picked up by Daily Wire for a new film. I mean, she's out of a job. And once you're canceled, you know, fired by Disney like that, you're not getting picked up for any new films by any other agencies in Hollywood. You're blacklisted. That's how that works. And it's just, it's so controversial that they're scared to even take a chance. So it's a problem when you can't share your, you know, you can't share your political opinions in America (laughs) due to not the government, not the government like other countries, but your peers. And that's a problem. Right. And so one of the big issues with this also is um, students, more specifically on college campuses. Um, yeah. I, I saw it myself. I'm sure you did as well in school. Is is I saw it a, l- a little less so because I went to Liberty, but it was on kind of the other side. Right. Okay. Well, so, I, I mean, I've seen it plenty in some of my classes. And, and a lot of, a lot of you know, my, my friends who are in different classes have seen it as well, my conservative friends, is, is a lot of us are afraid to – speak out in classes um, and to say anything that that disagrees with what the teacher said, with what the professor was saying, with what the the other kids were saying in class, you know, whether it was a popular issue that was being debated and sort of everyone agreeing on one issue Mm -hmm. when, you know, maybe conservatives had a different opinion on that, on that certain topic. And kids are afraid to speak out because it'll affect your grade. I mean, those professors, like, it seems absurd to say, and I know some people really don't believe that, but I've experienced it myself, um, expressing your political opinions in school and the professor disagreeing with you. um, And in some cases to the point where it'll it'll affect your grade. Um, And so a lot of people are just afraid to speak out. And so there's a lot of, um, that's why a lot of the, uh, conservative that's why they call it the silent majority is because so people are so uh scared um to speak out that they have to stay silent because otherwise they could get in a lot of trouble whether it's losing their job or if you're in school affecting your grade your gpa and all that kind of stuff so that's kind of a big a big issue with um with cancel culture especially on college campuses yeah yeah, I'm sure that uh, as we continue on with this podcast, that we'll even have more occurrences and we'll talk about those as they come up. Absolutely. So next uh, on the minimum wage amendment that was that failed yesterday, 
Um, last week we talked about the one point trillion dollar package that was passed in the House. Well, yesterday the Senate uh, on Friday they introduced an amendment on that bill, and it was voted on. Uh, this amendment would have raised the minimum wage to fifteen dollars in the um, in the bill. Uh, but the amendment failed uh, due to some Senate Democrats, about seven of them, uh, and then one that was an independent. Joe Manchin voted no. Senator uh, Seema voted no. Um, and then some others, such as Chris Coons, Tom Carper, uh, John Tester, those senators all voted no, and a few others. Uh, I just wanted to get your quick take on a funny video that, they got real mad at Cinema on uh, Twitter over this, yeah. over this video. I figured we'd show people that are watching on YouTube, and then we'll explain it to the people that are um, listening online. Miss Cinema, Miss Cinema, no. <laughs> No. Cinema, Miss Cinema, no. To those of you listening online, she walked up to the front of the uh, Senate floor and she did a huge motion with her hand and gave a huge down thumb sign uh, to those recording the votes. Uh, So that kind of went a little bit crazy on Twitter because that was just something that was kind of out of the ordinary to see on the Senate floor. Um, And the fact that she was a Democrat as well, which is kind of interesting that she was voting kind of against the majority of her party um, yeah. in the House there um, on that issue. Um, that the, the minimum wage increase to $15 an hour, um, that's kind of a universally Democrat policy. Um, I know that mm-hmm. there are some conservatives out there, some Republican officials. Tom um, Cotton, Romney. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they're okay with the $10. A, there's a handful of, of conservatives that are in favor of, of raising the minimum wage, but a lot of them don't don't think 15 is the right number to, to get to. The, a lot of them think that's too high. But on the Democrat side of things, the $15 minimum wage has been an issue that's been in their in their uh, party platform for years now. I want to say the last couple of election cycles almost. It's it's been it's been an issue that they've tried to push forward, especially yeah. by Senator Bernie Sanders, um, for for obvious reasons with his kind of uh, democratic socialism agenda that he has. Um, and so one, one statement that Sanders made about after the, uh, the minimum wage amendment failed, he said, if any Senator believes this is the last time they will cast a vote on whether or not to give a raise to $32 million, 32 million Americans, they are sorely mistaken. We're going to keep bringing it up and we're going to get it done because it is what the American people demand and need. So obviously he feels very strongly that the minimum wage should be at $15 or higher. Um, I wouldn't say that all Americans, uh, on it were a lot. I mean, there are a lot of them, you know, small business owners, they couldn't afford it. No. And so obviously the, the big thing that, you know, Bernie Sanders and, and other, you know, senators, whether they're Democrats or Republicans don't seem to understand in, in some case with raising the minimum wage is that in doing, in raising the minimum wage, there's going to be an equal in, you know, reaction from the economy. And so businesses are not going to be able to sustain paying the, the employees that they have right now um, $15 an hour each. Um, they're not going to be able to do that. And so the way that they're going to adjust for that is that a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. Um, automation is a huge thing that's been pushed 
into kind of our economy now because of um, wage increases and things like that. Yeah. Automation has been taking over a lot of jobs. And so I just saw recently there was a, a couple chains of, of grocery stores that are now trying, um, they're paying their employees more uh, for minimum wage, but they, they have, they have, they have lost employees. They have fired a certain amount of employees because they have to pay them. And so now they're trying out a new system of completely automated grocery stores where there mm. are no cashiers um, or people checking you out and you do it all yourself. Ooh. It's all self-checkout. There's an Amazon store. Well, I've seen one on the news before where you just grab your groceries and you walk out and it automatically scans what you picked up and right. whatnot. Um, and while that's cool, it's also, I mean, that's, those are jobs lost. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of brings in the fear for a lot of people. And that's on both sides of the aisle. I know both sides of the aisle fear, you know, automation to some degree as it's, as it continues to grow and kind of consume jobs. And the, the only thing minimum wage really does is speed up that process. And, you know, for the folks that may say, Oh, you know, people aren't going to lose their jobs. The, the money's got to come from somewhere. Right. And I, I don't think the CEOs are going to take a pay cut. So if they don't take a pay cut, that means other people that are working in the business have to take a pay cut. Right. So those that you know that have been there for a while, you know, they're making over minimum wage somewhere in between. Um, you know, the so some states it's higher than seven twenty five, but just for example, if it's seven twenty five in this state, they're making somewhere around that thirteen uh, twelve right. range. Um, in order to bump somebody up, let's say you bumped it up to. Uh, 10, maybe they have to take a $2 cut on those other folks that That's have been right. there for a while. That's right. The money's got to come from somewhere and it's it probably not going to come from people that own the business. I mean, it might. There are some companies that, you know. That could afford it, but a lot of small businesses especially are going to, I mean, if that if that minimum wage bill were to pass, a lot of small businesses are going to suffer just like they have been during this COVID-19 crisis. Um, and so that's obviously not something we want. And Which you know, it's definitely not something you want. A lot of the people that, you know, a lot of people on the left, they love to hate on some of these larger companies like Jeff Bezos, like uh, of Amazon. They like to hate on all the Walmart, they like to hate on these big companies. Um, but yet some of their policy, all, a lot of their policies affect the small business owner, the mom and pop stores, people that, you know, on, right. on the weekends they sell, you know, their uh, some of their extra crops they sell. They have like convenience stores that they they have. Exactly. Uh, some of my my favorite convenience store of all time is just run by the same family for the past uh, thirty years. It'd be very hard for them to afford you know fifteen dollar minimum wage. Right, and so and that's the other thing is is a lot of people seem to not understand is that minimum wage is not meant. It was never designed to be lived on. It's not a wage that you're yeah. supposed to be able to support a family on. It's Minimum wage is a job that you would work to catch your breath, sort of get back on your feet and find a new job. Um, and so minimum wage really isn't a job that you're supposed to work, um, you know, as a, as a full time as a full time job that you're that you're trying to support a family on um, because it's not it's not meant to do that. And so when people say you can't live on minimum wage, you're not supposed to be able to support, you know, a family on minimum wage. That's not what it was designed for. Um, and if you try to make it that way by increasing the minimum wage to 15 or even more, mm -hmm. um, the economy is going to adjust for that. And we're going to see a ton of job loss and uh, a lot more automation. Um, there's going to be a ton of side effects of that. Or, you know, if they're going to have to hike the prices up of other uh, 
goods and yeah, services. Right. And so, and that'll lead to more, you know, more expensive groceries, more expensive um, gas prices, all that kind of stuff is going to, is going to, you know, adjust based off of what the minimum wage uh, is increased to um, should it be increased. So, yeah, I'd hate to see gas go up more than it is. Right. All right. The HR one bill, what you got Tyler? So the HR one bill, um, which is known as the for the people act, um, it just <laughs> passed in the house. Um, so now it, it's fate rests uh, in the hands of the Senate. Um, and so, it's called, Pelosi said on Wednesday, Speaker Pelosi said, this is called the For the People Bill. Um, in doing so, we combat big, dark, special interest money in politics and amplify the voice of the American people um, when, when talking about passing this bill. Um, and so obviously that sounds great, um, combating big, dark, special interest money. Um, but that's that, it does a lot more than that. And so it, it's actually a really, really quite sweeping reform. Um, really radical when you look at it. And it's about, it's about 622 pages. So it is a massive bill. That's and so ridiculous. I know we talked about this last week with um, cramming, you know, so much different information into one bill rather than focusing on one issue, addressing that issue. Um, instead, you know, politics have kind of devolved into everyone cramming a ton of information yeah. into one bill, naming it the For the People Act, which I, just sounds fantastic, right? It's not, last week we said For the Puppies. For the Save puppies. the puppies. <laughs> Save the puppies right. act. So, I mean, it's ridiculous. It really is. And so they're going to name it that, of course. Um, and then whether or not this gets passed in the Senate is, you know, to be determined. But it, it, it's primarily about voting rights and campaign fin yeah. finance law. That's kind of the majority, the bulk of this bill. Um, and so just to go over a few things that are in this bill so you guys kind of understand. Um, it passed in the House by a vote of 220 to 210. Um, and so it basically one of the things that it does is it establishes automatic voter registration and it expands vote by mail. So that's one point that we should probably unpack real fast is automatic voter registration. So basically what that means is you're going to be registered to vote whether you know it or not. And the normal the normal system that we have in place now is an opt in, um, which means that you have to opt in to be registered to vote um, through the. Uh, through the board of election system. And so now they're going to be switching that to an opt out. So you, you will be registered to vote automatically um, and you'll have to opt out to, to uh, cancel that. And so that's not something people are used to. I think that's going to cause some problems with people. Um, if, if this was the past, I wonder how that would affect uh, voter turnout. Cause you, me and you both worked on a lot of campaigns and right. one of the main things for voter turnout is you go out, you register voters. Exactly. Um, you register, you, you go out, you see how many people you can register. And it's like 88% of those that register right. that year will go out and vote. Yeah. So if you, if you register someone to vote, um, there's an 88% chance that they will go vote. And I think it's something like a 60, 70% chance that they like, vote for your candidate. That they vote for your candidate that you kind of advertise for. Um, and so that's, you know, that's kind of a huge, that's a huge percent. That's a big, big deal. And so by establishing automatic voter registration, that kind of part of the aspect of campaigning is kind of, that's how Barack Obama changed. won. That's how Barack Obama it won uh, back is. in 08. He had the most registered voters. Right. And because of that, His all those people, all those people uh, ended up voting for him and he ended up winning. Right. And so by establishing kind of this online automatic voter registration, I think that defeats a lot of 
I wonder if it campaign will. efforts. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The big, the big issue with it though is you, you there's there'd be no way to track it. So that's how you, if everyone's just registered, if everybody's automatically registered, there's no way to track who's going into these voting booths, right? No. So another part of that, so then that brings me to another point of this bill is that um, it's also going to ban election officials from checking credentials of voters at polling places, which means they can't check ID like voter ID. So I know in some states there isn't voter ID laws, um, but now that's going to be nationwide. There's no voter ID, so they can't check your credentials to see, you know, if you're a U.S. citizen or not. Everyone's automatically registered. They can't check your credentials. So just anybody who can, can vote, anyone go in there and vote. Um, and so that's obviously a huge, huge problem. And so another thing that does is expand vote by mail, which we just saw in this last election cycle was a disaster. Um, and so, you know, I, I think I don't think anyone in the United States really wants more of that. I think that was it, it, it's, you know, it causes a lot of problems. It, it, it reduces the, the election integrity and trust that the American people have in our election process. And so by expanding vote by mail, uh, you know, you're the votes just by definition are more susceptible to fraud. They're more susceptible to be intercepted and, and tampered with. Um, so, you know, voting is not only a right, but it's a privilege. And so we have the privilege to vote here in the United States. It's it's not hard to register to vote right it's, now. It's not it's hard. It's incredibly easy to register Very to vote easy. in the United States and to go vote. So by making this even easier, I mean, if you can't fill out a voter registration form and, and you know, get yourself to the poll on election day and vote, then, I mean, I, I don't know if you should be voting. Yeah, I don't know if, if, if you're if, if you're doing if, you, if it needs to be that easy. I don't know if you've been doing the research you need to vote for exactly. everyone if down the has, ballot. If it has to be just checking a box and then going and voting, I mean, it's maybe you shouldn't be voting. Um, that's just kind of how I feel about that. So overall, I mean, this is an extremely radical piece of legislation. It, it would completely change the voting system um, as far as it addresses redistricting um, as well. And one big point in redistricting here is it said that. Um, Anyone who's doing the redistricting would be required to consider the illegal alien population in that area. So, which is very weird. They're considering that, which is kind of interesting. They're going to consider that you have to include the legal alien population in the new redistricting system at around the same time that they ban election officials from checking huh. credentials at polling stations. So, I mean, obviously, we haven't seen uh, we haven't seen too much of this yet but i mean that could be that could be a, a, a road down to you know having illegal aliens vote in, in, in our elections i totally agree but all right that's that's all the time we have yeah so uh follow us on instagram follow us on facebook um our handles are let me cut in uh next week we are going to have a youtube up and running as well so we'll get back to you on that but uh yeah thanks for listening